0: Uh, beyond, uh, summer camp, in your role as minister of Christian education here at Shiloh, uh, you have developed a new training program for associate ministers here at the church and, uh, uh, share with us some of that.
1: Well, our training program, I, I call it the School for Profits is uh, <laughs> for associate ministers here at Shiloh. And it, it, it just it recognizes the fact that um, as ministers and as associates that we need continuing education, ongoing education, for a number of reasons. One, because you have to stay sharp with um, your skills with regards to our calling and our vocation. Also, we have to... Uh, forever, in my opinion, keep ourselves abreast of of what are the theological developments uh, that are going on, and how does that impact the church, and then how can we be a part of the discussion of how we better our church, better our community. And so you can't do that from a a vacuum. So uh, we gather on a monthly basis and uh, we do a number of things. One, uh, people know as associates you may not get the opportunity to preach as much uh than if you were a senior pastor or, or, or a pastor of your own congregation. So we're coming together to work on our homiletical skills, uh, to take a look at scriptural passages and to not necessarily write sermons, but to uh, discuss collectively, how do you engage a text? What are the steps that you go through to ensure that you are properly exegeting um, a, a text also, we're reading—my uh, goal is to ensure that uh, we are exposed to the best and the brightest theological minds uh, currently, which means you have to read. You have to know what's out there. So, and so we're reading a book now that actually is not a new book, but it's very timely, Marvin McMickles, Um Where Have All the Prophets Gone? And it talks about uh, the fact that as preachers, particularly in the African-American context, we cannot just preach. We also have to stand in the prophetic tradition, uh, the tradition of Amos, of Micah, of uh, Ezekiel, of Isaiah, those who spoke truth to power and who challenged not just their local congregations but also the water community and those who— were in power, uh, challenge them to say, there is a, there is a design that God has for the world and an intention. And are we living up to that? And so, uh, that's kind of where the name comes from. The idea of the school for prophets that you see talked about, particularly in the book of Kings, but the idea that together we learn and it gives us an opportunity, you know, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. to talk and have a place where we can, um, discuss what's going on with our ministries as well, with uh, theological education, and as you know, I am just—I'm a—I love theological education. The idea of helping ministers to uh, grow and learn and to be shaped so that we become better in our vocation, mm-hmm. and that's some of what we're doing. And we're having a, a wonderful time, and and um, I see it only as growing. Also, it's important because I have a seminary background. You mm-hmm. have a seminary background. We both have uh, our. Um, Master of Divinity degrees, which is the uh, primary degree for the professional certification for ministers. Um, Not everyone has access Mm -hmm. to that or has thought through what it would mean to have that seminary education. And so I like to think of this as a way to bring some of that seminary education to us at Shiloh, while always at, uh, encouraging our associate ministers, you need to be trained right. and, and you need to seek out opportunities to be trained. And so I'm encouraging folks, those who want to go to seminary, we figure out how, how, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. What would be the best choice? But bringing mm-hmm. the wealth of information and the experience of a seminary context to us here.
0: For me, it's 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 more than just you need to be exposed to training. I think you need to be exposed to the right training. Uh, Absolutely. One of the things that uh, I say periodically uh, in Bible study class to, to uh, my members when they come for Bible study uh, is be careful of, of where you get your information from. Uh, I say this to Sunday school teachers uh, in teachers meeting. Uh, I say it in midweek Bible study because a lot of people uh, diligently go and they try to do their own study, they try mm-hmm. to do their own uh, investigation, their own research, because they are genuinely concerned with learning more. And that's a wonderful thing. But my caution is be careful where you get your information yes. from. We're saying on a national scale today uh, that, uh, that there's an inherent danger in people who don't read uh, but 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 there is a worse danger in people who read from the wrong places. Uh, <laughs> Just if, as if, bad, if not worse. If you're getting your information from the National Enquirer, if you're getting your information from TMZ, if you're getting your information from People and Us, and uh, you're not reading uh, the Washington Post or the New York Times or uh, closer to home, The Advocate. Even though I have problems sometimes with the advocate, but there, there is, there, there is a place for light. Uh, reading and that's what The Inquirer is. It's like reading. If you want to be entertained about spaceships uh, that landed here uh, into Area 51 and are traveling back and forth to Mars every other day then read The Inquirer. Inquirer. If you want to learn about what's going on in the nation then you read something else. Mm -hmm. You you read uh, The Times-Picayune or you read The Advocate or uh, you read any one of a number of other substantial newspapers. Transfer that to to Bible study and and uh, those who uh, I say gather commentaries, although these days more people opt to get their information off the Internet as opposed to uh, the hard books and commentaries. You need to know something about where that information is coming from. You need to know who wrote it. You need to know who edited it. You need to know who prepared it. You need to know something about the background of the group of people who put it together. The
1: theological perspective of the people that put it together. How do you know that that lines up with your personal theology or your denominational theology or the theology of the the church where you uh, are a member of a congregation? So you have to know, you're absolutely right, where that comes from. Is it valid? Uh, or is it quack theology? Right. And unfortunately, a lot of what's out there uh, on the Internet, God forbid, on TV, is quack theology. Yes. So how do you discern, well, you... Um, there are places uh, to go. First of all, when, when you deal with seminary programs, we're not even talking about the fact that, you know, there, there are different levels. You have conservative seminaries and liberal uh, seminaries if you want to use those kind of terms, which I don't know that they're completely helpful mm-hmm. for describing theological education. Different denominational thrusts, but you know that if you are affiliated or if you've gone to an ATS accredited seminary, uh, basically, if it has been accredited accredited by ATS, that would be the same of going to a school like LSU that is accredited by SACS, uh, which is a national uh, accrediting agency, a regional accrediting yes. agency. ATS is like that. It, 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 it's So you know that if you go to an ATS uh, affiliate uh, seminary, then you're able to know that the information that you have received is solid information backed by institutions who have certain standards and who ensure that their instructors have been properly trained right. in theological education and theological inquiry. And so those kinds of institutions, the people that teach at those institutions, they have the appropriate credentials, and they produce books and articles and commentary series, or they're affiliated with publishing houses that do so, that you know it's going to be quality information.
0: People should be less concerned with uh, the, the, the title of the degree that uh, these— Schools, some of them uh, try to draw you in, try to lure you in with, and more concerned with the information
1: yes. itself. Uh, oh, you know, I uh, remember. Uh, I l- looked it up. Associ- uh, Association of Theological Schools in the United uh, States and Canada. I, I don't know. I have a, a, almost... Fifty moment or whatever. That, that. <laughs> Not quite, but almost—you know—toward well, fifty. My concern <laughs> is that
0: people get lured into the idea of being able to call themselves doctor this or or doctor that because some school uh, that is non-accredited yeah. uh, will will, 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 will them that that somebody and, just and say,
1: started yesterday? I,
0: I I don't want to cast aspersions on every Bible college because for some people that's the best that they can do. Uh, For economic reasons, for uh, uh, logistical reasons, Bible college is the best that they can do. But I do have a concern with Bible colleges and seminaries, uh, and I'm doing air quotes for those who are are listening and not watching. I I have a problem with those that uh, will will say that uh, you will have a doctorate in theology uh, in six months or in a year, and uh, people are lured by the idea of having a doctorate uh, when really the the, the whole idea is to improve your educational knowledge. I find, by and large, that those people who, who have seminary training from accredited seminaries don't care a whole lot about the degrees. They care more about the information. You don't see them writing with degrees behind their name. Uh, you, you, you see them interested in learning how to first gather Mm -hmm. and then employ the information in relevant and practical and reasonable and rational and helpful ways. Uh, uh, so I think it's great that Shiloh offers this opportunity, uh, internally with, with our ministers, uh, uh, here at the church, I would hope that other churches uh, do some form of the same training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a concern of mine uh, that people recognize the importance of getting good information from good sources and not just grabbing hold of minutia uh, and and elevating minutia to a place that it really doesn't belong.
1: Yes. And along with that, I'm I'm, I'm developing for our associate ministers an annotated bibliography on quality resources across the board. So I'm starting with the biblical... Biblical studies, uh, Hebrew Bible or Old Testament and New Testament, and giving them sources. Also, because we are an African American congregation, I think it's important to highlight the fact that there are African Americans who have done the work. Man, probably took them six, seven, eight years sure. to get PhDs in Old Testament or in uh, New Testament, but they write. They've produced commentaries. Groups of folks. So I want them to be aware and exposed to that information because. They they write from a cultural context that is helpful mm-hmm. to an African-American congregation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just using resources from African-American—you know, Latino scholars, uh, white sisters and brothers who write from a perspective of liberation, uh, from a perspective— I was, a, I was waiting for that <laughs> word to come up. You know, up. Yes. a perspective that that meets the, the social, anthropological, uh, spiritual— Practical Transmit theological like needs, the needs, the holistic needs of African-American congregations. And so I'm, I'm working on this annotated bibliography that will, you know, I have a little notation. You know, this is an African-American New Testament scholar. Right. And, and when I teach and when I preach and particularly when I prepare um, to teach our Sunday school teachers, I, I, I footnote. Where something comes from. And I'll say, as this African-American Hebrew Bible scholar says, so that people will know, okay, right. there's information out there. So the point is we want you to have good information right. and 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 know how to discriminate between what makes for good information and what makes for, you know, information that um, is, is not as solid. You know, so we want our ministers to be prepared.
0: In terms of theological perspective, there are... Various uh, theological disciplines, if I can use that term, mm-hmm. that 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 exist, uh, and some schools highlight one over the other. Uh, I think that the best schools uh, blend uh, all different facets of theological uh, perspective. Uh, but I, I attended New Orleans Baptist Theological. Seminary. An
1: ATS-accredited seminary. A decidedly
0: yes. Southern Baptist school, mm-hmm. uh, who, which had a theological perspective that was more systematic in an approach and more biblical in approach uh, than uh, you might find at some more progressive seminaries. There wasn't a whole lot of positive uh, talk at New Orleans in the time that I was there, 83 to 86, about liberation theology. In fact, uh, we were warned of the inherent dangers of liberation Mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. And it was only uh, after my uh, formal training at New Orleans that I ventured to learn more about liberation theology Uh, And uh, eventually came to understand that it is not dangerous, uh, that it is not evil, that it is not heretical, as some uh, professors might have called it, uh, but that it is an approach that I think more closely mirrors or mimics uh, Jesus' approach to the needs of individuals. Uh, because it is a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the theological training that, that, that New Orleans espoused at that time, I don't know what it does today, uh, had to do with uh, language and, and hermeneutical exegesis of passages, but it was a decidedly European uh, 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 Reformation uh, uh, approach to theological instruction uh, and and not... Uh, The liberation theology, not not the theology that deals with uh, access and opportunity for all.
1: I was going to say that's likely uh, not that... Other seminaries wouldn't also have the systematic, um, the biblical approach, but it's the perspective by which you approach Bible or church history or theology, systematic theology. It's it's from the perspective, and and um, you said it was decidedly European, and and truthfully. Many uh, seminary experiences were like that, and have been like that. Um, but the idea of of liberation or, or or seminaries that are more open to alternative ways of uh, exploring theological inquiry from a liberationist perspective or from a cultural perspective, um, that has grown. And obviously uh, in your seminaries that were predominantly African American, that was always going to be a strain of, of what was discussed, uh, was how do we approach systematic theology from an African American perspective Mm -hmm. or how do we approach biblical studies while reading, uh, reading while black, uh, Mm -hmm or female, or black and poor, or black, so uh, so that's the idea of liberation theology, or uh, now you have post-colonial theology, mm-hmm. that, that where you have scholars from India and other places all around the world who have most recently, South, South Africa, uh, in the last 20 or 30 years, thrown off the yoke of I- empire um, and colonialism, how do you read as someone who has been colonized? Mm-hmm. So those are different hermeneutical approaches mm-hmm to uh scripture or to theology and um i think i i i agree that jesus was a he he was would have been a liberation scholar yeah. cuz he talked about liberating people um and and coming as it says in luke uh 4 you know he came to preach you know, to sight to the captives, those, to, to set liberty. at liberty those who were captives, to preach sight to the blind. And so that is a very liberationist mindset. And— um, I am so grateful and thankful that my seminary experience at Virginia Union School of Theology, the same with you, with Proctor School of Theology, <laughs> uh, was very much liberationist mindset because it's a predominantly African American seminary. Although it is not um, completely African American, people from all um, races and faith walks, and it's even. Um, accredited for uh, United Methodists to go there. So different faith traditions go there. Mm-hmm. But the point was that making sure that people were prepared to preach and teach and minister from a perspective of, of liberation. And I'm glad because that, that, that shaped who I am as a preacher, as a minister, as, as a, as a it budding sh- scholar. It, at
0: some point, it shapes the perspective of church yes. uh, because uh, most of the people who go to seminary don't end up in seminaries as professors and mm. as writers and as historians. They end up as pastors and as members of yes. church staffs in churches across the length and breadth of the nation and, and, and around the world. So if your training is not liberation, Theology. If your training is purely systematic, and I I, I I believe in systematic theology. If 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 your training is purely systematic theology. If your training is is purely biblical theology, and the biblical perspective is a decidedly European perspective, post nineteenth uh, or uh, post fifteenth century post perspective at that, mm-hmm. with a heavy Influence uh, from from Bonhoeffer uh, and and what took place during World War II. If that's your only frame of reference, then you're missing out on the needs of the masses of people. Uh, that that you are trying to serve, especially if you 're African
1: American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bonhoeffer uh, to, to name a few, it might be Slymark, it might be others of course Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer is, is, is the
0: hero he, he's the hero in, 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 in many of these uh, seminars. I, I know we read Bonhoeffer uh, yes. in, in, in New Orleans, and Bonhoeffer was the hero because Bonhoeffer bu- bucked against uh, Nazi uh, movements in Germany. Fine. We can see the evil in Nazi Germany. We can see the evil in Hitler. Can we see the evil in 400 years of slavery in this country? Can we see the evil in, in the how we raped and pillaged mm-hmm. and took a land uh, that we say we discovered, but there were people here? You can't discover something if folk are already here. Mm-hmm. Or Can, can we, can we, the we acknowledge yes. the fact that Adolf Hitler is not the only evil person ever to exist but that some of that evil resides within us. We are so quick to want to see the evil in the other Mm -hmm. that we don't want to acknowledge the evil in ourselves. And yet Jesus says, before you go taking specks out of somebody else's eye, you have to get the two by four out of your own eye. And liberation theology challenges us to acknowledge our own sinful past, our own hypocrisy, and to decide that we are going to recreate a framework of, 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 of theological perspective that highlights the needs of the masses and says that God cares about you because we care about you.
1: Yes. In that, in many ways, God is the God of the oppressed. God is on the side of the oppressed. And you can't take a, talk about liberation theology without talking about the fact that just this week, James Cone, the father of Black liberation theology, passed, and the impact that he had on um, on not just on Black folks thinking about theology and liberation, but the whole uh, discipline of systematic theology and 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 and. Uh, Liberation-mindedness, period, and and how really his work changed the whole generation of theologians, white and black, who considered what does it mean to approach my thought patterns about God from the perspective of being black, of being Latino, of being Asian, of 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 being poor, of being a, a underclass of being someone who is up from slavery, someone who's up from colonialism as your history. And what does that mean? And, um, in many ways, his work shaped my life. It shaped my teacher. My, my, uh, Dean at, uh, uh, former Dean at the school of theology, Dean Kenny was a student of Gomes, And so that trickled down to me as, as his student. And, um, you know, we, we lost a giant, but we will forever have his work. And it is infused in so many of us who have been privy either to him personally or to him through those that he taught. And so uh, he'll he'll be greatly missed, greatly missed.
0: James Cone uh, was a transformative thinker uh, in the world of, of Christendom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and much of what, he espoused uh, we saw played out in the work and in the activities of others not necessarily because one studied the other but because they shared uh, like-mindedness the whole civil rights movement was wrapped around the idea of holistic uh, Mm -hmm. a a holistic approach to uh, ministry and uh, the need to uphold and affirm all lives as being valuable, and no life as being superior to another. That, that, that's that's the whole crux of the civil rights movement. Uh, we deserve to be treated as human beings just like everybody else does, and and not just because we say so, but God says so. Mm-hmm. Your, your Bible says so. Uh, even though you don't want to read those parts, even though you don't want to share those parts, right. your your Bible says that we deserve to be treated uh, with the same kind of courtesy and respect and humanity and opportunity that others are treated to. And it should not be something that you feel uh, uh, obliged to give uh, to us at, at your discretion, but it should be something that you recognize and accept as being inherently ours and respect the fact that it is ours because God says that it is ours. So uh, I, I, too, share in uh, the loss of, of a giant like James Cone. We're almost out of time. We've been doing this for about an hour. Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to hit one other topic and and, and then we'll we'll close this out. Uh, in addition to losing James Cone, uh, Dr. Samuel B. McKinney yes. uh, died last week, and, and that's not a name that will be commonplace uh, to many people. But uh, to those uh, who are a part of black clergy and black theology, uh, McKinney is, is probably best known uh, for uh, a book that he wrote on church administration uh, called Church Administration in the Black or from the Black Perspective; uh, it has served as uh, the benchmark work for many churches uh, over the last 35, mm-hmm. 40 years as to uh, how to approach administration uh, of the African American church uh, and and yet develop growing, thriving churches uh, within our own communities and. Uh, Uh, it's, it's just tragic, uh, that we have lost such a giant as Sam McKinney.
1: Yes, it, it is. And, and, um, like you, we studied McKinney's book, uh, when I was in seminary. And the thing that I appreciated about it is that, um his prescription for, uh, addressing church administration from the black perspective in many ways talked about the fact that we're, we're, we're many things and how do you bring the many together in one and the idea of the mass class church or looking at the, um, all the different dynamics of church, uh, I guess church identity is the best way that I can describe it, but particularly that stood out, and I know you've talked to me and you've informed me that it really informed your father, Pastor CT's mindset towards church administration and what it meant to be a mass class church, meaning that we are open and welcoming and comprised of people from all walks of society and that together we are community and that we're not segregated to just one aspect. Uh, social, uh, aspect, social aspect of, of society, and black it, folks. It, it
0: sought to bring the best of culture and theology together, and to apply it in in a way that was relevant and affirming uh, to the life of the church and the community that the church sought. To serve. You now, people think of, of of administrative models as being separate and distinct from uh, uh, church vitality mm-hmm. and life, but but it's not. not. And it's they not. Be. Your 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 perspective will shape your vitality. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you you have to have an idea. I think that that far too often uh, we suffer from. Uh, a shotgun mentality when it comes to church administration, when it comes to church theology. Uh, we, we don't really know what we're trying to hit. So, so, so <laughs> we, we, we don't fire a rifle. We fire a buckshot. Mm. And, and the reason why you fire a buckshot is because you, you're hoping to hit something. something. Uh, and, and, and too much of our theology uh, is that way. It's helpful to have an idea of where you're trying to go. And who you're trying to serve, and then to develop the model that best suits where you're trying to go and who you're trying to serve, and that's what McKinney provided. Uh, not 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 a a a specific framework that will work for everybody. Too many. Uh, books today, uh, writings today, videos today are, are, are formulaic one, two, three, mm-hmm. do this, this and, mm-hmm. this, and this, and this will result. Well, just because that worked in your particular setting doesn't mean that it's going to work someplace else, but he did provide a framework that, that I assume it was his expectation because this is what happened. He provided the framework, and he expected the pastors and those individual churches to use that framework as the basis to develop their own identity as, as to the kind of church that they were going to be.
1: Yes. Yes, he did. And um, his work, like Cohn's, uh, it has in- influenced so many generations of uh, of uh, black preachers and pastors and theologians and church administrators. So he will be missed. But the the thing I appreciate about both of their legacies is they taught others, and so their work will continue on. And new generations of uh, theological educators and of seminary professors are uh, growing up on a— uh, yearly, uh, basis as people want to dedicate their lives also to forming ministers so that ministers can then go out and form and help reform and transform, uh, their church communities where they're served. So. Uh, it brings it right back to theological education right. and the importance of it, which is where we talked about uh, uh, when, when we started dealing with the associate ministers, but the idea of the importance of theological education uh, and the seminary bridging the chasm between the, the, the seminary and the pew. And, and McKinney in particularly, uh, particularly helped to bridge the chasm from the seminary to the pew right. because his, his work— was so uh, applicable right to the church context so totally agree uh, another giant that we've lost but uh their work lives on so we're grateful to God for that
0: Thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Any final thoughts that you you want to share? Uh,
1: No, I just want to reiterate again about summer camp that we're starting in less than 30 days. And um, people still have time to get their kids enrolled. And it's 10 weeks, $80 a week per child. You can't get that anywhere else, the level of instruction um, and fun that the kids will have. uh, Two hot meals a day plus a snack in the afternoon, field trips weekly. So... uh, Consider giving Shiloh a shot.
0: So if you're in the Baton Rouge area, please uh, give us a call here at Shiloh, 225-343-0640, and uh, ask about summer camp, and we'll be glad to share that information with you. I'm Fred Jeff Smith. I'm glad that you took time to either view or listen to this Thrive podcast. We'll be back next time.